0: hello and welcome to the soulful connections podcast conversations that serve as medicine i am Natalie parsons one half of the podcast and i am so so very excited because today laura and i are doing a really fun thing where i have the pleasure of interviewing laura brown so that we can really share um, with everyone the the magic and the essence and get to know each other a little bit more and so laura is an ascension guide and activator from intuitivealchemy.co so thank you so much for
1: playing with me and having fun. Of course, of course. I'm ready for it. We always have fun. And I feel like this
0: um you know these opening interviews because we're we're doing this with each other. It's it's almost like this honoring it's like we're opening up this container that we are co-creating this community that we are co-creating and it's nice to have this honoring of each other more than an interview kind of thing right and that's kind of how I feel about it and yeah (laughs) and so it's it's um yeah it's such a pleasure to um, connect with you always and learn more about your journey and i love um I love what I've learned about you online so far, but I would like to know more
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, of course of And course. so
0: let's begin. um I'd love to actually hear like. The beginning of your journey. How did you come into your gifts? And not only that, once you kind of got to know your gifts a little bit, how did you know or were inspired to and help others through these incredible
1: gifts? Yeah, absolutely. Um, firstly, I, I totally agree. I mean, it's almost like we're opening the circle, you know, yeah. we're opening this container, which I think is really, beautiful because it it is the symbol of, you know, the intention that we have, which is just to create the sanctuary for, you know, ourselves and for our listeners and watchers. So I think that this is like our, you know, opening of the ritual. (laughs) Um, Yeah, my, my first memory is, is of now, To back up a moment, I, like when I was little, I had white, white, white blonde hair. Um, Much like I do now, but now I have to actually work at it. Um, And I remember at probably five or so asking my grandparents, who were very instrumental in my upbringing, and my my aunt my mom's sister who also well both of them were instrumental in my upbringing i remember asking them when my aunt susan was my mom and i had i was a baby with black hair and i was crawling on a table at the detroit zoo cuz i grew up in michigan and they all kind of looked at me, and they're like, well, you've never had black hair, <laughs> like you've always been like our little, you know, head, <laughs> you know, blonde-haired girl, um, and no family scandals, your aunt is not your mom, <laughs> and that was, looking back, like at the time, I just, obviously, it was, I, I was so young that I just was like, huh, like, you know, I wonder where that came from, and, you know, when I first started kind of Becoming very aware that I would predict things before they would happen. Um, My strongest suit is claircognizance. So I would just know, you know, that something was going to happen. And as I began to actually work with that and gain confidence, I started to kind of explore different gifts. And I was mostly doing this just on my own. I grew up in a really small town, which was mostly Christian, you know, or Catholic. Um, so all of this was done just kind of on my own. Like, there were no research. We didn't have a computer, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 39, so, like, the internet, you know, was, like, maybe, like, the government had it or the really rich people had it, which yeah. we were none of, you know, so, yeah. um I had to just kind of explore them on my own. And I noticed, you know, people always coming to me for advice. And I just kind of, you know, I magnetized people to me all the time who were like, you know, what do you think I should do about this? Or what do you think I should do about that? And they, you know, they would take my advice and it, it would work out for them. Um, And then you kind of fast forward to um, when I was in college and I was a young mom and I had just left um, his father. I, I was already really well aware that I had other gifts in me, but I was still resolute like, I'm going to become a lawyer. I'm, you know, going to work on behalf of women around the world. Um, I had a double minor in psychology and journalism because I figured if I can't swing <laughs> law school, then I'll become a whistleblower. I'll go into journalism. Um, but when I left my ex, I couldn't conceive of like, well, how well am I going to earn money? You know, what am I going to do? And I got this, you know, this image and this knowing from my guides, basically saying, "Well, you have all these gifts, you know, put them to work—not just in your life for your benefit, but for others." And I was like, "Whatever, you know, that's silly." Like I could, ha- like there were times where things would come in such tiny little pieces that I was like, "I don't even know how to make sense of this." Um. So I didn't really do anything with it. I just, you know, I I did odd jobs in between classes, you know, raising my son and, you know, whatever I could, my family was really supportive. And then in the university bookstore, um, I had found a tarot deck. Mm-hmm. And immediately I was like, oh, that, you know, the imagery is beautiful. And the imagery is still what draws me to a tarot deck. Like I could care less who created it or how much it costs, you know, if the imagery captivates me. I'm like, ah, I got to have it, which is probably why I have one too many decks that I rarely touch, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, I got it and I, you know, I kind of looked at the cards a little bit and then I put it away. And it basically sat in my desk collecting dust for like six months or so. And I, I I can't recall if it was something I was going through or something that a friend of mine was going through, but she's like, I, you know, I need your help. And I pulled out the cards and I finally, you know, was like, all right, you know, I'm going to shuffle these and deal them. And it was like a light bulb went off because all of a sudden what I had was a container within which all of, you know, the clairs, all the knowing and the seeing and the sensing, all of a sudden had like this blueprint. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I kind of called tarot as like my gateway drug into this work (laughs) because without it, I don't think that I ever would have been able to you know, sort of um, put these pieces together cohesively so that I could actually confidently help somebody else and guide somebody else. And so you know that was a like a moment where all of a sudden and and she loved the reading it helped her and seeing how much it helped her and how lit up and how she went you know and again i think it was for a friend but regardless like it was just such an empowering feeling that i was like wow this is you know something that feels really good Mm -hmm. you know but I still didn't yet turn it into a business, and then one day, um, like I had the greatest friends when I was going through this transition. I like I can't even thank them enough. Um, m- my friend Michael brought over. He's like my parents had this really old computer, and it's probably gonna run slow. But he goes, I think you should maybe work. Um, you know, obviously you need it for your schoolwork, but I think also you should use it for working for one of the hotlines or something. Like, you know, just get started earning money and, and gaining confidence doing what you're doing. And so for actually, oh God, eight years of my business, it was working for like permanent sites. Mm -hmm. Until I finally felt I had enough knowledge. And at this point, I didn't necessarily need the tarot. Um, I still would kind of, anytime there was like something in opposition, you know, like my intuition or my guides were saying one thing, but the tarot was saying another, like I would kind of, you know, lean into that a little bit, but it wasn't no longer sort of what I needed. Mm -hmm. Um, I ventured out on my own and I began creating you know i've had several iterations over the past 20 some years of my business but it finally came to my resting on intuitive alchemy and you know as i have evolved and done my own healing work as i have witnessed what you know can be done when we bring in the intuition the spiritual with you know kind of intuitive counseling with readings Um, when we work on rewiring our brain and changing the way we think and changing what we choose to believe in, that we raise our frequency. And with that, we are exponentially more capable of building the life that we want. And that's, you know, where I've been for, you know, probably the last two years of my work where it's less about doing readings And it's more about using the skills that I have to, like you said, like help others know that it doesn't matter where you've came from, doesn't matter the mistakes that you've made, doesn't matter how old or young you are. Like there's never an expiration date unless you're six feet under. You know, um, you can still create the life that you desire for yourself, and so that has become my mission: is just to, you know, get that information out there and to let others know that, you know, as impossible as it may seem, you can create that life you've always dreamed of. You can have that thing you've always wanted. You can have peace, freedom, and and whatever else it may be.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that. And I'm really curious as you're talking um, and sharing that beautiful journey, I'm wondering actually on that path and as you're going along and were there times and moments where you had to obviously, in the changes, you released a lot of old programming, conditioning, but were there a lot of, like, people in your lives and situations and things that you had to let go of that were maybe challenging, um, maybe close interpersonal relationships that you didn't expect that you had to let go as you evolve? Um, Yeah, I'm really curious about, about that.
1: Yeah, you know, I think that that I think that that's a pretty universal thing Mm -hmm. sometimes, or or I shouldn't say sometimes, that as we start this process, whether it's professionally, personally, or both, um, that we come into the realization that there's just certain people that aren't good for us. And for me... Very early on, it was actually my parents, um, because both of my parents were, you know, high-functioning alcoholics. Mm -hmm. Um, My dad had extreme anger issues. Um, You know, my mom, you know, I, I kind of feel like my mom was more, you know, she probably would have been better at raising cats than she was children you know like she just wasn't very maternal yeah. um hence the reason why like my grandparents and my extended family on her side um are really who I see as being more the parental figures. That's not to say I lived with my my dad for most of my life. There was a lot of resentment and trauma that, you know, was bred from that, but looking back, I know that they were each just, you know, doing the best they could with what they had, you know, so I've let go of, you know, the anger and the bitterness and all of that. But, you know, everything from leaving my, my ex, my son's father to, you know, forming the relationship with my now husband and, you know, the people that I choose to spend my time with, whether it's talking online or in, you know, in real life, and um, there were a lot of relationships, you know, in fact, the individual that, you know, introduced me to my, my husband, we were besties all throughout, you know, college and all throughout, you know, this transition and even long after it, but as I began to evolve and as I began to you know, to really become hyper focused on my vibration and frequency and making sure that who I surround myself with and, and what I surround myself with is in coherence with how I want to feel and, you know, the frequency I want to have. I had to let go of that. You know, it doesn't mean we don't ever talk. But our relationship is is far more distant and far less what it was because she just, you know, it, in my opinion, didn't necessarily get to the space. And that's okay. There's no judgment because not everybody's going to. Mm-hmm. But I just knew that it didn't really feel good anymore to be around her. And, you know, it wasn't like a, a breakup. It wasn't like this, you know, sudden like, you know, I can't talk to you anymore. It was more of just kind of my slowly phasing out that connection, you know, and, and sometimes you kind of have to play the human game, right, you know, because some people you, you don't or you can't cut out of your life, you know, I have a son with extreme mental illness, and, you know, there's, you know, a lot of times or being around him is profoundly, um, you know, distracting and profoundly impactful upon my frequency. But I I also can't just be like, you know, off you go. And, you know, Mm -hmm. there may be a time I have to create that distance, you know, out of necessity for a lot of reasons. But you know I, I i we're not at that point yet thankfully and i hope we never get there but you know i call it playing the human game where you know you kind of have to consciously go into it knowing who this person is and how they are and knowing that they're, you know, that they may do or say things that, you know, normally affect your frequency and you can consciously make the decision to either not respond to it or consciously play along with it a little bit and i've found that in so doing it's less impactful to my frequency so i can still have that interaction without it necessarily Always, sometimes, sometimes it still dies and it doesn't quite work as well. Um, but most of the times, it allows me to still remain in a frequency that feels good and that, if nothing else, I can easily raise without too much work.
0: Yeah, I thank you for sharing that because I find um, it's something that comes up uh, quite a bit with people. And um, it's interesting because sometimes people assume that with healers and light workers, that we have perfect, these like picture perfect relationships around us. And Mm -hmm. I love how you said humanness because Mm -hmm. we're, we're all just humans and, and we all have these human relationships and they do come with, the things and the struggles (laughs) and just because you know we do this work it doesn't mean um because that's the misconception i find is that if you're a healer well why can't you heal that relationship and i tell people well it takes two people when you're talking about relationship it takes two people to be willing and if one person is willing and meeting you there and the other person's not then it can't be healed And so I, yeah, I really like that, that you share that openly and honestly, and I can, I can very much relate with my own family dynamics and keeping strong boundaries with my own mother. Actually, I love her dearly, but very similar, no maternal instincts and still, Oh, puts her foot in her mouth all the time. (laughs) And I have to put. (laughs) I feel like I'm like training her because I'm just always setting that boundary, setting that boundary, setting that boundary. And um, you have to.
1: We have to. I I always tell my clients and the people, or even people that I speak with, you know just about what I do, you know? And they're like, so you believe that you have divinity within you? And I'm like, yeah, but that doesn't negate the fact that I'm still a human living a human experience you know, I stub my toe, it still fucking hurts, you know, like, when my kid screams as I'm filming a podcast, I'm still kind of like, you know, (laughs) because they know I'm filming, you know, but, you know, I, I think if anything, it's important to understand that, you know, timing is everything, Mm -hmm. And, you know, I may be ready and I've tried to heal, for example, the relationship with all of the people that at one point I cut out and either they weren't willing to do the work on themselves to kind of at least meet me halfway, Mm -hmm. or I found that they were, you know, it, it just, it didn't work out you know and and maybe it wasn't supposed to so i you know it's not my job to heal everyone, you know, yeah. I would love to be able to, you know, snap my fingers and have everybody in, in perfect order and design with all that they'd like, but uh, you know, I'm not bewitched, you know, whatever her name was, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not that powerful yet, you know, maybe <laughs> one day, um,
0: but yeah, but I, I think ultimately too, it's like, um, I don't know if anyone's that powerful because it's the free will of the person being, willing and able to heal themselves because we are never healing anyone else anyway we are only we're only just shining the light and inviting someone into that light and whether they want to receive it and heal um and infuse it into their own light that is their choice and um yeah and so that's a really interesting yeah really good point there Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I love that you bring up the free will part because that plays a huge role. You know, like when I talk about ascension and, and, and where we're at in the process of ascension, it's like people think that it's like pulling a Jesus and and we've got to die in order to be truly illuminated. And it's like, no, like, you know, this is conscious embodiment kind of Mm. ascension. You know, this is this is like, think of it like rising, like a balloon, you know? Yes. I mean, it's not like, you know, it, it, you don't have to leave the mortal realm, but you do have to make the free will choice to be willing to do the work on both the self and the spirit in order to get, you know, to to get that and, and you know, and to have that ascension and that universal knowledge. Um, it, yes. With anything, you know, if you don't have within yourself or with anybody else you're working with, you know, that free will determination or choice, you know, you can try as hard as as you want, but it's probably not going to move the ticker at all. Absolutely
0: and i'm really curious um what are some of the like soulful practices that you like or that you mm-hmm. recommend to some of your
1: clients um yeah to to support yeah absolutely so as much as it seems cliche, the first one is going to be meditation. Oh, yeah. It's not cliche <laughs> in my world. <laughs> you know, I, I, I literally, you know, every morning I wake up 5 a.m. before the rest of the house and I meditate Um I I, I recommend it to those who are willing to try it um, and to do so ceremonially. I work a lot with hape. Um, It's usually spelled in a way R-A-P-E with a little, whatchamacallit, I don't know what that punctuation mark over a letter means, but um, it's it's pronounced hape and it's a shamanic snuff and it generally helps you It can help you actually energetically cleanse, help you. There's ones for releasing trauma. There's ones for, you know, deep meditation. I mean, you name it. I mean, there's a variety. So, you know, I definitely... And if I back up, even if you use just a traditional you know, hape that has no, because they make it and they sing their acaros and they put their intention into it and they, the plant medicine that they put in with the tobacco, which is not the kind that you smoke, um, is all very carefully crafted for those intentional ones. But they also have very just plain regular hape um that is known for actually decalcifying the, the pineal gland, the pituitary gland. And you know, there's a whole host of bodily um effects that are positive that it has as well. So I I work with that and meditation every morning. Um, yoga for me, um I kind of have always kind of come in and out of it. Um, but I have found in the last probably seven or eight months that it has really been important for me. That's not to say I haven't fallen off the exercise wagon with isolation and everything, but lately I've been doing it more and more consistently because I, again, I feel like it, it, for me, it helps me tune into the body. Mm -hmm. And for somebody who can be very, very heady as a Pisces sun, I'm a full moon baby, and I've got a Virgo moon and a Virgo ascendant, I have that Virgo tendency to ride the hamster wheel of my mind. And so um, yoga takes me out of that and puts me in the body and helps me to get very, very in tune with how my body's feeling on a particular day. Um, you know, is there a side of my body, the masculine or the feminine that is a little bit, you know, more resistant to some of the poses than others? Um, it just, it provides me with a whole host of information that, um, we can then use and, you know, anybody can use then to kind of inform things they may do later. You know, if I know that my feminine side is feeling more blocked than the other, then I I know I need to do some feminine embodiment work. I might do some dancing. I might, you know, just spend some time nurturing my children. I might take a hot bath with the essential oils and do the, the self-nurturing thing. Um, But I feel like yoga is a really essential component and I think movement in general helps to move energy out of the body. So if you're feeling anxious, if you're feeling depressed, if you're feeling, you know, this heightened state of emotion, You know, really, I would say any kind of exercise because I've done them all, but yoga especially can be very good at moving that energy out of your body. And when you're done, if there's something you need to do, you know, to correct whatever that, you know, caused that anxiety, to rectify whatever, you know, created that heightened emotional experience, you are in a much more centered place to do so, in my opinion. Yeah. Um... And then I think the final thing that I would say that I recommend, and I try to put, you know, that's why I get up and have this practice every morning is to have a practice, (laughs) you know, just create, like, make the time for yourself. You may modify it from time to time, you may miss it from time to time, but when you have a chunk of your day, doesn't have to be long, where you know it is in devotion of you, it is for your self-nurturing, you are showing yourself that you are important. That you are worthy of this time this respect this love this caring and that to me is you know i, I don't care if it's reading you know i don't <laughs> care you're like it, it can be so individually ta- tailored to whomever um but when you create that sacred container that's just for you that practice that you you know consistently do you set emotion healing and opening and and radical changes in your relationships because ultimately we you know our relationships reflect the relationship we have with ourselves, and so that daily practice of devotion no matter if it's just reading or yoga or whatever it it impacts every other relationship that you have
0: absolutely yeah Um, oh i love that so much mm -hmm. so much and uh we'll close up the circle um, mm-hmm. what are your three <laughs> book recommendations
1: <laughs> oh i know i can you, i've been thinking about this for longer than i even care to admit <laughs> um, so i would say that bringers of the dawn mm is a, a it's an older book and her first name i believe is Barbara i would butcher her last name if i attempted to pronounce it <laughs> so i'll refrain but bringers of the dawn was a very instrumental for me in um in understanding that that you know As egotistical as we've all been for the majority of our lives, we're not the only beings in in the universe. Um, And we actually can communicate with these other beings just as we can the angelics or source or whatever you choose to name it. Um, That book was really helpful for and eye-opening for that part of my journey. the very very first book that i ever read in the vein of like esoteric um metaphysical anything was louise hayes you can heal your life or you can heal yep. yourself can heal your life. Um, yeah um I, and i think there might have been a later one like you can heal yourself too because mm-hmm. i think she had some health issues but um you can heal your life was the first time that I was introduced to this notion that what I think and believe and feel, and the perception I have around things impacts you know the life that I live. Yeah. Um, and though uh, you know it's not necessarily a massive part of you know what I do today or how I go about things today, I will always be grateful for that book having found me because it did expand my awareness and make me more aware of what I was thinking, doing et cetera um for, from you know I, I remember there was a line where she talks about how you know when you go to pay to write the check back then um, to to you know you know, to pay for a bill instead of being like, I don't want to pay this bill, you know, think and actually draw up the emotion and the energy of being grateful that you can pay, even if you're not paying the whole thing, you're just paying a portion that you have the money to do that. Um, and then the last one I would say, I just found it recently is the, um, the source field investigations by David Wilcox. Um, whose books I love in general, because he combines, and, and this is so my jam, like the quantum physics, the psychology, the science, and the cosmic. And I just get, ooh, I mean, it just totally whets my whistle. And he does all this research going way, 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 way back. Um, about, you know, how we've known these things, you know, we've known about psychic abilities, we've known about, you know, the monks that can levitate, we've known all these things, and, you know, we, those who've attempted to demonstrate it or to bring it to the masses have been shut down you know by various governments and what have you and so you know just the the, his intelligence and research alone is so stimulating and eye-opening but also the conspiracy theorist in me (laughs) um is so tantalized by the you know and it confirms much of what i've already begun to learn about the ways in which we've been manipulated and distorted on this 3d level that really helps me help others. um, As I grow in the experience and my education of it, then I can help others do so more. Mm,
0: Thank you. I'll have to, I I haven't heard of the last Last author, so I'm gonna to have to do David check Wilcox, out. yeah, he's that got outs, yeah, that sounds something that I would very, very much enjoy reading,
1: <laughs> yeah, I said, like I said, he's got quite a few out. I think source field investigations was one mm. of his first okay. um, um, you'd have to check the order, but since. All of his subsequent books tend to reflect back on on this one, you know, even though I have like all these other ones that I'm so excited to get into, I like, I found myself going, all right, I just have to read this one first and then I'll understand the rest. (laughs) I definitely suggest starting with that
0: one. Well, thank you, thank you so much for playing with me today <laughs> for opening up this circle and this sacred container that is um, our community of soulful connections and I truly yeah, I look forward to all of our other conversations. I look forward to connecting to everyone who is listening who wants to continue the conversation. Um, on our social platforms like Instagram and um, yeah, just so excited for this journey. So thank you.
1: (laughs) Thank you. It's going to be gorgeous and I'm so excited just to be able to share in this space with you um, Mm. and and, you know, I know that we messaged back in like December of last year, you know, we were like, we feel like we need to do something and then it kind of... (laughs) You know, died on the vine, and I think it was just because we had to to reach this moment, and um, yeah. And I'm I'm really excited for what's to come. So, you know, thank you. Thank all of our listeners. And here is to the sacredness, the spiritualness, the expansion that um, we hope to create going forward. Mm. <laughs>